Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat, Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to be looking at the options for offensive coordinator at this point, the guys who might be and have already gotten interviews, and what I think they should do. Uh, And so let's get started, and then we'll uh, talk about some other uh, Boston sports stuff. So, uh, starting it off with the offensive coordinator. Now, we got reports that the Patriots were getting rid of Matt Patricia as sort of the play caller. They were getting rid of Joe Judge in his role and moving him back to special teams. And he was good in special teams. And Matt Patricia is good being sort of a assistant uh, advisor. Um, he was great on defense, terrible on offense. We all know it. And now they're bringing someone else in. And it seems like they are going to be looking for a permanent offensive coordinator with this team. And most, if not all, Patriots fans would agree that this is something that they ended up needing. And so it's a situation in which our team has to get better. And starting off with an offensive coordinator is a good start. Because having someone who is specialized on defense for most of his uh, career as a coach... Not a good choice. So bringing in someone who has offensive experience, this is what the team needs. So there has been a few uh, names that have been thrown out so far. And there have been a few guys who have stepped up as potential options uh, and interviews have come. And one thing so far before I get into the names is that most of these People who are interviewing for these positions have ties to the Patriots, um, and all of these uh, have ties to Belichick in some form or another, uh, whether it's with um, other teams he's been on or with the Patriots. Um, And so, uh, yeah, all these uh, choices have Patriots connections, Belichick connections, or both. So the first one, which is no surprise, Bill O'Brien. He was an Alabama offensive coordinator last year. He was uh, with the Patriots uh, as an offensive play caller, quarterbacks coach. He was there when Josh McDaniels left. And he was with Alabama for one season with Mac Jones. um, Briefly uh, overlapped. Uh, So there was a little bit of overlap, but uh, probably not enough to build a true connection. Uh, But there could be a true connection if he comes to New England. Apparently, he is, according to Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston, the favorite in the primary target. Um, And I think it would make a lot of sense bringing him in because he has both the Alabama connection and a Patriots connection. I don't know if this is my ideal choice because I think there are other things that we need. And more so, an offensive coordinator with experience in other areas might be more ideal. So Bill O'Brien is probably the favorite on many people's lists. He's not my potential favorite, uh, but he is someone who has experience and would be obviously a better choice for sure. Number two is someone who I think should get this job, Keenan McCardle, who was a wide receivers coach for the Minnesota Vikings and was a Bill Belichick player in Cleveland from 1992 to 1995. He was... Uh, someone who they requested an interview with. Um, He was obviously someone who 
has had a lot of success uh, with wideouts, and especially now with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. He is someone who is one of my choices that I think they should go with because of his connection with wide receivers, and I think we need someone in there who, because our wide receiver group isn't the greatest, we need someone who is good at coaching wide receivers as well as offensive coordinators' um, position, which he unfortunately doesn't have any offensive coordinator or play-calling experience, but would be a good um, option in my opinion. And so that's the guy I would like them to see signed, but it's all, you know, uh, up in the air at this point. The next option is the only one on this list that is internal so far. Nick Cayley, who is the tight ends coach um, and has been an assistant with this team for the last eight seasons with six of them as the tight ends coach. So he is um, someone who also met with the Jets about their offensive coordinator vacancy. Um, And uh, I guess uh, a lot of reports say he is likely to leave if he does not get a Patriots promotion. Um, So I'm reading this on Nesson.com, the coaching stuff. Um, But uh, you could probably find a lot of this stuff elsewhere. Um, Yeah, he has the potential to be a good uh, offensive coordinator at some point. Uh, I don't know if the Patriots will go for him. I think they're going to try and look externally, in my opinion. But he is someone that has experience coaching, uh, but has not actually been a play caller. So I don't know uh, if that will affect uh, if he gets it or not. Next is Adrian Clem, who is an Oregon associate head coach, run game coordinator, offensive line coach, who was technically the first ever player that Bill Belichick drafted with the Patriots. He was a second-round pick in the year 2000 and was a part of the team through three Super Bowls, 2001, 2003, 2004. So he has um, championship experience and Patriots experience. Um, He is 45 and only has uh, just three seasons of NFL coaching experience with uh, the Steelers O-line and two as an O-line assistant in Pittsburgh, so uh, all of those are with uh, Pittsburgh, but 10 more years at the college level, so that's uh, not too bad. Um, he was with SMU and UCLA, but is now with Oregon, um, so there's options potentially uh, for him, uh, and there's the connection. And then we have uh, Sean Jefferson, who was a Arizona Cardinals associate head coach, wide receivers coach, and was a Patriots player from 1996 overlapping for a season with um, uh, just kind of one season with the Patriots and with Belichick. But um, he has coaching stints with the Lions, Titans, Dolphins, Jets, Cardinals, uh, has worked under Adam Gase in Miami and New York, and Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Um, And apparently, uh, this is on the Nesson article, Lions great Calvin Johnson once called him the best receivers coach he'd ever seen. Uh, Jefferson also had the title of assistant or associate head coach with the Jets and Cardinals, signifying he handled more responsibilities than a typical positions coach. So, as mentioned before, all of these candidates have connections to the New England Patriots or to Bill Belichick or both either playing for Belichick or coaching with the team 
these are all guys who have some sort of uh, connection with Belichick. Um, and as I said before, I think McCreddle would be the guy that I would want them to go for. I think having someone with experience on the wide receivers side of things as a coach would be very um, ideal for them. And I think he would be, um, you know, he would be pretty good. Um, and I think Bill O'Brien is everyone's uh, favorite going into this because of just his experience and what he's done and his connections to Mac Jones. Um, and so I think there's um, a lot of options. Could they go for two of these guys, having one as an offensive coordinator and one on the wide receivers or uh, doing something with the O-line? Maybe, but I think it's probably not uh, likely. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're probably just going to stick with one. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, moving forward with the offensive coordinator position, there might be more names that um, uh, come and take place, um, but uh, we'll go from there. Uh, I did read a few articles about um, who the Patriots could be projected to take in this year's draft um, in round one. Um, a lot of people are saying uh, Brian Branch, who is from Alabama. Now, Branch checks a few boxes besides being part of the Crimson Tide, and there's obviously that connection. Uh, he is a cornerback slash safety which gives you a lot of Devin McCourty vibes. Um, and he has the ability to play both positions and would probably play cornerback to start, just like uh, what we saw with, um, what we ended up seeing with um, McCourty, but then maybe moving to the safeties position eventually. Um, and so there's uh, definitely uh, a need at cornerback and potentially at safety with uh Maybe uh, McCourty retiring, but I would say, um, you know, he is an option that was thrown out there. Um, and I think with the draft itself, it's really all going to depend on exactly what's um, available at 14. And if nothing is available, then, um, you know, I think uh, he could be an option. I don't know if he's the ideal choice for the Patriots. Um, long-term or short-term, but if a lot of their uh, options are off the board, maybe he is someone that they look for. He hasn't been, uh, outside of recently, uh, he hasn't really been thrown into too many um, of the uh, mock drafts with the Patriots, um, but uh, he could be someone uh, who is um, a good option, uh, for sure. I did see something um, with... Matthew Judon going to Twitter, and he was pitching, uh, bringing in Aaron Donald, um, and wanted to um, potentially bring Aaron Donald uh, to New England. He has been known to um, uh, throw out tweets talking about it, um, and... Uh, I guess Aaron Donald put something out on Twitter and then Matthew Judon replied, ain't nobody wearing 99 in New England, just saying. 
Um, and it seems like uh, Judon has made a lot of tweets over the years with the Patriots um, talking about um, just uh, players that he wants to come to New England, um, potentially. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, I don't think he is coming to uh, the Patriots at all, but uh, I just saw that um, as uh, an option. So uh, I did see another article um, where uh, the Patriots um, were looking at potentially adding in an offensive tackle in the draft. Um, and uh, that seems like it's the uh, ideal position that Patriots would be looking for because there is a big need on the offensive line. And if you don't have a great offensive line, then not really going to have a great, uh, you know, protection for the quarterback. Um, and so, uh, ideally, uh, that's where I think they would probably go with their first-round pick. But, again, it all depends on um, exactly what they're, they're, uh, they're looking for in players. But um, I think at the end of the day, um, we'll see what happens. Now, I did... Um, want to switch gears and look at the Red Sox for a little bit and I did see uh, this article which talked about the Red Sox potentially going after three uh, infielders to fill their infield um, now with Adam Duvall joining the team he is an outfielder um, making seven million dollars um, joining a major league deal Jorge Alfaro and Ramel Tapea join the team on minor league deals. So the ideal situation now with Duvall joining the team means Kike moves into the infield, which means they only really have to fill one of those positions. And so the three names that have been considered are Elvis Andres, Josh Harrelson, and Jerickson Profar. Now, Elvis Andres has played shortstop. He could probably play second base. They'd probably put him at shortstop and Kike at second. Um... Maybe they would move um, Kike to shortstop and put Andrus at second just for now because then when Trevor Story comes back, he could play second. But um, he just has that. Josh Harrelson, I think, has played shortstop, second base, third base in the outfield. I don't know if he's played first base, maybe. Um, but he has a lot of use ability um, with this team, a lot of positions he can play. And Jerickson Pofar has also played left field, um, he's played shortstop, third base, second base, I'm sure, you know, uh, other positions in the outfield at times. And so he has a lot of versatility to him. So they were looking to get someone, uh, I would go with Josh Harrelson or Jerkson pro far over Elvis Andres because of the possibilities of them switching to other positions in uh, the outfield or infield where they need them. You know, if Kike moves back into the outfield, you can have one of these guys in the infield when Trevor Story's back. If, you know, you want to move the, you know, move him into the outfield for games, that works as well. So um, I'd say those two make more sense um, because of the fact uh, that they just, um, you know, they have more versatility than Elvis Andres, which is not something that, um, you know, uh, I think uh, he has. So... It would make more sense to, uh, in my opinion, um, go for uh, some sort of a utility guy 
just in my opinion more so uh, than uh, anything. So that's that. Uh, next is the Red Sox making a very small trade, which um, they ended up snagging uh, some cash and a player to be named later for Connor uh, Seabold, um, who just got traded away. Um, so Seabold is done. He's gone. Um, and that kind of opens up um, a little bit of room in the, the bullpen for one of the new guys who joined in. Um, and uh, that is um, not too bad of a move because we didn't really have a lot of room on our uh, bullpen. We added three guys in um you know we had three guys free agency so we had to make something happen and um this was i guess you could say um a small move just to, to clear space i don't know if the player to be named later will actually um work but who knows um and uh so uh who knows um then there is uh a somewhat of a blockbuster trade that just took place. This doesn't involve the Red Sox, uh, the Marlins, um, and the uh, Minnesota Twins, um, where we saw Pablo Lopez um, and uh, the Marlins pitcher going to the Twins. Luis Arenas to the Marlins for starting pitcher Pablo Lopez, infield prospect Jose Salas, and prospect outfielder Byron uh, Churillo. Um, so it seems like Pablo Lopez was somebody that was on the market. It looked like with the signing of Johnny Cueto, the Marlins were looking to get rid of one of their pitchers. And it's one of the things that came up was potentially Pablo Lopez getting traded to the Red Sox because they did need a starter and, um, they were mentioned as one of the spots um, potentially, and there were rumors of, you know, other players from the Marlins getting traded to Boston, there were rumors of Tristan Cass being a target by the Marlins, um, but, uh, unfortunately for Pablo Lopez and the Red Sox, it's not going to happen because he is now in Minnesota, so, um, yeah, that is the situation. Uh, I also saw the latest list of 100 prospects uh, and this comes from Baseball America's 2023 Top 100 Prospects Rankings. There are five Red Sox players on this list. Number 10 overall, Marcelo Mayer, Tristan Cass, Sedane Rafaela, Masashida, Yosaka, and Miguel Belize. Um, so, uh, apparently, um, Tristan Cass came in as number 29. I think he was the number one first baseman prospect. But he is 23, came in at 29, and is probably going to play for the Red Sox this year. We saw Sedane Rafaela landed at number 71. We saw Masashiro Yosaka at 87, which a lot of people are saying that's controversial because he's not actually a prospect. He's coming over from Japan and playing in Boston. But yeah, he's on the list at 87. And Miguel Baez is right behind uh, at number 88, right behind uh, Yoshida. Uh, so he is 18 years old and he won't be playing with the Red Sox at this point in time, but has the potential in the very uh, far future to play as a starter um, with this team. So that is um, 
that is uh, the last name on the list. Um, so uh, five. Uh, and two of those, as mentioned, uh, Yoshida and Tristan Cass will probably be playing um, when it's all said and done for uh, the Red Sox this year. Um, so that's cool. Uh, Bruins, uh, I just want to mention something on the Bruins because they are in first place. Um, and they look very good, very talented. Uh, they play in their best uh, hockey, and um, that is uh, great to see um, because, uh, you know, it's good for the city and good for New England sports fans. Um, don't really talk about hockey as much on here because I am not as much of an expert as uh, the other sports, but uh, it's good to see them doing very well, and I am trying to watch more and learn more about the Bruins and hockey in general just because, you know, I want to, you know, educate myself more. But they are doing very well. Moving on to the Boston Celtics, who had a very good win against the Golden State Warriors in overtime. They played very well. Golden State is a average team, but somehow uh, seems to get things done against the Celtics, which happened in their first um matchup, but in this matchup, the Celtics brought to overtime and got the better of the Golden State Warriors in this uh, matchup, and so uh, the Celtics are in first in the uh, Eastern Conference, first in the Atlantic Division, and they are rolling forward um, and look very, very uh, good, so that is, um, you know, that is... Um, that's good to see. So uh, I think their next matchup is against Toronto where they play uh, the Raptors. Um, they look very good. Um, and I expect them to win that game as well. 